to Living Out Loud, Storytelling for Social Change, the podcast where we come together as a community to share our stories and consider alternative perspectives on a wide range of topics. By sharing our stories, each and every one of us can help create the world we want to live in. Storytelling has the power to open minds, touch hearts, and inspire empathy and solidarity. It can move us to think and then act. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are those of the faculty, staff, and student guests of each episode, but do not necessarily represent the views of Merrimack College. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Living Out Loud, Storytelling for Social Change. As a show, we believe that through sharing stories, we offer new perspectives that have the power to open minds and potentially change our world. I'm your host today, Tiffany Vegan Stearns, media coordinator and instructor in the communications and media department, and I'm also a graduate student in the higher education program at Merrimack College. Today is Monday, May 4th, 2020, and we're entering the eighth week since Merrimack College transitioned to a remote campus because of the COVID-19 virus. Higher education, as we all know, is changing rapidly and will most likely never be the same after this global pandemic. Today, I have three other members from the higher education graduate cohort to talk about their own experiences and where they think the future of higher education will go. So we have Caitlin Carr, grad fellow for the Academic Success Center in Accessibility Services, Amanda Mitchell, graduate resident director, and Kylie Windecker, also a graduate resident director. Hi, all. Hello. <laughs> so this is so weird doing this over over Zoom, but I'm really happy that we can, you know, have this technology to communicate like this. This is kind of cool. Um, so basically, we're going to start, um, I'm going to go around and have you guys introduce yourselves um, and talk a little bit about what you do at the college and your kind of current status where you're locked down. Um, just the, the status quo right now for you guys. Kylie, why don't we start with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, my name is Kylie Windecker. Like you said, I use she, her pronouns. Um, thank you so much for inviting us to do this. I love podcasts and I'm, I love talking. So this is like the perfect, <laughs> the perfect thing to do. Um, at like, as you mentioned, I'm a graduate resident director. So I work for residence life at Merrimack, um, along with being a grad student in the higher ed program with you. And I supervise O'Brien Hall and the St. Thomas and St. Anne apartments. So upper class areas. I'm very much missing those areas and those students. Um, and right now I am actually in Fargo, North Dakota. Um, this is where I'm from. I grew up on the Minnesota, North Dakota border. So I'm far from Massachusetts, far from Merrimack, but um, locked up and safe and there's no snow here today. So that's wonderful. Has it been snowing there? Um, it snowed when I got here, like when I transitioned back and I was like, what hellhole did I come back to? <laughs> um, but it's good now. It's just like usually colder in the Midwest, um, but it's getting warm now some days. <laughs> and Amanda, what about you? I love how Kylie's talking about the snow and it's all in bloom here and the birds are out in the, like the trees and they're chirping. <laughs> um, so yeah, my name's Amanda Mitchell. Um, I'm also a graduate resident director. Um, I oversee both Deegan's in North Residential Village. Um, most of what we do as resident directors is just kind of make sure that students are doing okay. We do a lot of mental health check-ins. We manage a lot of um, basic conduct level on the graduate level. Um, and yeah, um, I'm currently up in New Hampshire. I'm only about 30 minutes from North Andover, so I decided to come home. <laughs> so yeah, things have been great. We love hometown, so. 
I'm also in New Hampshire, so I feel that in my soul. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful place. <laughs> <laughs> and Caitlin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So thanks again for having us. Um, I'm excited to be here. This is my first podcast, so it's cool to see what it's about. Um, so my name is Caitlin Carr. I use she, her, hers pronouns. Um, I currently work in the Accessibility Services Office as their graduate fellow. So I work mostly with first year and sophomore students who are registered with disabilities on campus. My main job description is to kind of run the day-to-day -day, uh, functioning of the testing center um, to help students with the registration process. And then I serve as an academic success coach um, for students. And I also started um, a managing mental health group within the office this year as a new program. So that's been fun to see. Um, to kind of kick off and I'm currently locked down um outside of Boston that's scary because like Massachusetts and like the Boston area are like the epicenter right now it's kind of crazy to to see how that's been like growing for sure yeah I'm originally from Pennsylvania so I was torn about whether or not to go home but back home they don't really seem to be taking things seriously um so for me, I felt like the safer option was staying put just because I wasn't able to control anything back home. Um, so that's kind of like where I'm at. I'm kind of taking the risk rather than. Yeah, that's really scary. And that's going to kind of lead into um, my second kind of question here. I really want to hear about um, all of your timelines and kind of like how how you started to hear about this virus and kind of when it started to affect your plans, you know, when it started to become more serious. Um, and just kind of that whole, that whole like few weeks, you know, leading up to spring break and like during spring break and, and how, what was that like? What kind of things were you guys doing? Like what kinds of thoughts were running through your mind? Um, anyone can start. It doesn't matter. Um, I know Kylie, everything that we do, I've done has always been with Kylie, so she can definitely jump in whenever. <laughs> but like, I, I specifically don't remember first hearing about coronavirus, but I do remember one of the days that Kylie and myself and the area coordinators on campus had come up to New Hampshire around my hometown to get breakfast. And it was at that point where I think people were starting to get a little bit nervous about, you know, what was going on. Um, but I think it was still kind of the oh, well, it's not really here, so it's not really a big deal, but we probably shouldn't be getting breakfast, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think for, from like a grad uh, resident director perspective, I think things kind of started to get weird as we got closer to spring break, because I think the conversation kind of started to turn into like, is it going to be extended? Are we going to end up coming back? And like, obviously, these weren't conversations, I think, that were being spread out of the Res Life office, but it was definitely like a very real possibility. Um, and I think the uncertainty, especially, you know, Kylie can talk on this, but like for the GRDs who aren't from the area, you know, like that's obviously like very intimidating, especially when, you know, it's like, do I even go home for spring break? Do I stay? Like one of the GRDs did remain on campus and was on campus um, for quite a bit of time after spring break until he decided he was like, yeah, I think it's time to go home. Um, so I think that, you know, things kind of got pretty uncertain in that week leading up to as we were closing the residence halls too, you know, we were going through like a lot of my RAs were like kind of wigging out. So they had like Lysol and gloves and like, they were like, they're like, I'm not touching anything or doing room checks, but 
you know, um, yeah, things, 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 that's when things started to get pretty intense, so. I know that, Amanda, that makes me think about, like, I totally didn't even remember hall closing, but, like, do you remember that we were doing hall closing, like, the RAs were, like, closing all the rooms, and, like, at this point, like Amanda was saying, I feel like we all knew coronavirus was, like, a thing, we just, like, didn't realize how, how much it would impact everything, but, so RAs are, like, in rooms, doing room checks, and we got a text from our, from the director of residence life, and he was, like, we need to all meet right now. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to. (laughs) No. (laughs) We got a text that's, like, we need to meet right now, and, like, I was helped, like, we were all helping the RAs, they were, like, oh my god, what's going on, and, like, you get that, like, pit in your stomach, and, like, I remember, like, texting a few people and being, like, someone has coronavirus, I bet that's what it is, is someone on this campus has coronavirus, and that's not what it was, like, it doesn't, like, I don't even fully remember what the conversation was, but that wasn't what it was about, but I think, (laughs) I spoke so fast, that wasn't, like, what it was about, however, like, at that point, it was weird, because, like, we, we knew it was really serious and we knew it was going to be a big deal, but we still didn't fully realize that like it was going to shut down the school and shut down the state and like the world. So it's weird because like logic and then like lived experience like didn't match up for so long, I think. I feel like for that too, if I remember this correctly, I feel like the school was getting pretty intense about the flu at that point too. And I feel like it probably was stemming from concern about coronavirus, but there was such an emphasis on like, how are you taking care of yourselves, making sure that you're using hand sanitizer. Because I even remember when we were doing grad student interviews for the program, um, for the incoming class, I was like being super anal. I was like using hand sanitizer every time I shook hands with someone. And I don't think it was coronavirus related, but I think that there was some kind of like hype around the flu at that point. And I think that's what that conversation with um, our office during closing was, is somebody had the flu and not coronavirus, but minor panic because I think somebody was spreading rumors or something like that. So, but <laughs> yeah, weird to think. <laughs> I, I remember a few of my students being really sick. Like the flu was really bad this year. And like, you're right, like Amanda, that doesn't, definitely doesn't help any of the situation where people are kind of already on edge about that. And I mean, Merrimack is a residential campus, like it's such a big part of the Merrimack experience and, you know, dorms, close quarters, like germs are spreading. So it's like an amplified everything for sure. Caitlin, what's your timeline? How did this all happen for you? Like, just so weird. <laughs> yeah, so kind of going off what you guys are saying, I think the reason we started talking more and more about washing your hands and hand sanitizer and everything was um, based on, I think we talked about in an academic success center meeting, but we were actually using less soap and hand sanitizer than we normally did this time of year um, compared to others. So they had so much stockpiled that they were trying to like get rid of it. So I think with the number of students that were sick and then how much soap and hand sanitizer that was around, they started to remind students of it. And so that happened around the time coronavirus was coming out. So I remember we started getting um, so many phone calls and emails and a lot of our students started kind of freaking out. And I know Kylie has heard all of this because we have fellowship seminar together. So she listens to a lot of my rants, but we had um, parents calling like crazy asking about coronavirus at the end of January. Um, They wanted to know like if we had cases, um, if we heard anything, what was going to happen with higher education. And then I regularly had students in my office saying, I can't breathe. I'm coughing. Do I have coronavirus? Um, 
what can I do? My grandma's immunocompromised. What's this going to look like? Stuff like that. So a lot of our immunocompromised students were worried. They didn't know if they should just go home for the beginning of the semester or if they should stay, what that would look like. So when I was heading into spring break, I was actually really nervous. Um, I also had a trip planned. Um, so I went down to Florida for a couple days. And then when I came back, that's when kind of everything hit the fans. So I went down to actually a Red Sox game. Um, so when we came back, we had to quarantine because we were um, with like the athletes and everything um, when they had a reported case. So that was kind of scary because I thought at the point there wasn't really much going on. And then we had the extended spring break and everything. But I remember like it just happened so fast. And with the extended spring break, we weren't supposed to go back to fellowship yet. But I started picking up extra hours just to kind of get my foot on the ground and like ear to the ground and hear like what was going on just because so many changes were taking place and accessibility services is kind of the in-between between student affairs and academic affairs at times. So our students come to us with a lot of their problems, um, but we also report a lot to faculty. So it was important for us to kind of gain a holistic perspective of what is going on. So for me, that was like a stressful time um, before any decisions were actually made and I was kind of like scared about what was gonna happen from there. Yeah, I think for me, I just the uncertainty. Um, so I'm a staff person at Merrimack, so like I'm teaching um, as well as being a student. So I had, you know, like you get emails from, from the president's office and office of communications and they're like, we don't know yet. And we don't, you know, we're, we're looking at it. And it's just like every day I'm like, I just, I need to know what we're doing. I need to know if I'm working from home and teaching from home. I need to know like, you know, what students are going to do. And, and that uncertainty was, was definitely really, really stressful. And this is a good segue um, into talking about that transition. So you guys are all finishing up capstone right now. You're all in fellowships. You guys are living the dream. I have a whole other year. <laughs> um, that part-time grad student life. Um, but how has that transition been to remote learning and remote working and, um, you know, working with students and, you know, Amanda and Kylie, you guys are residence directors. So like, what, what are you guys doing now? Like, I'm just really, really curious about that transition to, to remote learning and working. Kylie, you're unmuted. I'm going to pick on you. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, it's been difficult. Like, I think really difficult. Again, Caitlin mentioned we're in um, fellowship seminar together. So we know a lot of this about each other. But I feel like I'm usually somebody who is like, really like driven and like motivated and like, I love to get things done. If you like know Enneagram, like I'm a type three, like I love the achievements and the check boxes. And like, I have been so unmotivated. And like, it's just been like, really hard to get things done. And I feel like in, in that sense, it's really nice to see. I feel like I have a lot of like friends on social media, especially like Hannah in our program, like share so many things that are like, it's okay to not achieve things, right? It's okay to like be where you are, but um, it's, it's been hard to stay motivated and it's been hard to do things, especially like being at home now. Like I'm not even on campus. I'm not in my regular workspace. Like I'm in a bedroom, right? Um, I'm like doing homework in my bed. And like, that's so like not what you should be doing, but it's where I'm at. Um, Susan Marine has talked to our gender class, um, which Tiffany and Caitlin, you know, about like 
how like this is a trauma, right? Like it's a national trauma, an international trauma. And like, I think, um, like I feel that, like I, I feel that it like changes how I am and how I'm motivated and how I'm doing. So that's been hard, like personally for homework. Thank goodness I finished a lot of my capstone before I came back. Um, that like extended spring break, um, actually they kicked the grads off of campus um, during that because they wanted, they're like, if you don't, if you absolutely don't need to be here, you should not. And Amanda was um, wonderful enough to let me go to her house in New Hampshire. So I didn't have to decide like, am I going back to North Dakota yet? I don't know. Um, so I got to be with her and we got a little bit of work done. <laughs> um, so that's really helpful because I don't know if I hadn't gotten all done really before I got here, what I would be doing. So that's like academics. I, um, I, there's obviously a lot with like resident stuff, but maybe Amanda, you want to talk about that? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of, I mean, everything that we do as residence directors is obviously directly related to the fact that students are living on campus. Um, <laughs> so when there's no students, um, it kind of, you know, things got, I think, a little bit busy as soon as we got back, but um, that was mostly just checking in with students from conduct cases that hadn't been wrapped up yet or checking in on people's, like, well-being, because, like, you have a few students who you know are probably, you know, are not adjusting as well as others, so it's like you want to check in on them, um, especially for, like, care purposes, but, you know, I think right now there really isn't anything. Um, <laughs> I, like, you know, when we did end up going back to campus for a couple of weeks um, to help the full-time area coordinators with um, duty. So we had picked up a couple of weeks before they were like, there's really nothing going on again. So it's probably time for you guys to leave again. <laughs> um, so that was when Kylie officially left us all for the Midwest, which was very sad. Um, yeah, <laughs> but you know, when we were there, a lot of that work was like on ground work, which was, we went around all the buildings, we locked all the doors, we went into rooms to send people's belongings back home. Um, the amount of students who left like medications and textbooks and projects and all that stuff at school is kind of like a little bit outstanding, especially when you realize at that point that we had gone back, they'd already been out without those things for about a month. <laughs> um, so you know, I think that that part of the res life situation is really stressful, I think, for students and then as well for staff, you know, because you know that for us over the summer for res life, like, the work that we do in the summer is, like, I feel, like, really intense because we're checking all the spaces. The amount of walkthroughs that we do for, like, damages and then seeing what needs to be replaced and then what needs to be cleaned and, like, making sure that everything is ready is usually, like, once students are gone, it's, like, immediate. It's, like, let's go check those spaces. And so, Unfortunately, they didn't start trying to figure out that until we had left. So the ACs are now going around and they're starting to finally start to pick up with like move out procedures. So it's like, let's drop off key envelopes. Let's check these rooms. Let's see like what furniture immediately needs to be replaced once people are out. So like how many drawers are broken? Can we get a count of like how many walls have giant holes in them? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, unfortunately, like we're not there to help with that. So, like, because everything is in person, and now that we're officially very much gone, <laughs> you know, there's really not anything that we can help with. Um, and I think that kind of makes, like Kylie said, the motivation level for everything just, it's, it's literally nothing. Like, I feel like I have been sleeping so much because I'm just, like, I, I have, like, not a lot that I want to do. And, like, I wrapped up all of my homework this weekend so that I could just forget about it. But now I'm, like, there's literally nothing for me to do. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, we're getting nice and close with uh, my mom and her partner, uh, wonderful people, a little bit stuck in the past. Um, the amount of, it reminds me why I like haven't really been home in three years, you know? <laughs> Kylie can attest to some of that. Some of the conversations you hear are not, you know. But on the same note of that, I feel really bad for a lot of students who do have to go home and school is their safe space. And you know, like I feel comfortable enough to joke about my situation, but like for a lot of students, like that is literal hell to go home and then have to put up with your parents and to either hide who you are or to basically make yourself non-existent so nothing happens. Um, and that, that, that bothers me right now. Um, I think that especially where we're not being able to like touch face to face with students, you know, we're not really being able to catch up on those things and like make sure that everything's okay. Um, and I think that's especially hard knowing that those student connections that we were building are basically kind of cut off and that sucks. So this is how I know we're all in the right field because like, and I'm sure Caitlin, you'll talk about this too, because you work so closely with students, but like the thing that I always come back to is I miss my students and I worry about my students and I have students that I haven't heard from in a few weeks. And then when I get an email back from them, I'm like, oh my God, they're alive. And like, I just, that's the, the hardest part. I mean, before spring break, um, you know, we were halfway through the semester and my classes, I only teach there once a week. So like at spring break, like you're just starting to get that rapport going and that, you know, you can joke around a little bit and, and you know, like you kind of know everybody and then that's gone. And it's really, really, really hard. Yeah. I mean, I know Kylie wanted to talk, so I just want to throw this in real quick. Um, so I was actually, I did a case study on uh, Miramax response to COVID-19 for my retention class. But anyway, I found some fun articles from New York Times that specifically talks about like how students have transitioned back home and not necessarily just about the academic side of it, but you know, how a lot of students felt like, feel like when they're on campus that, you know, I think that it feels like there's a lot more equity in their lifestyles, but then when they end going home and especially when you're in synchronous classrooms and like you're being able to see what people's situations are like, you know, one of the things that the articles was talking about was there was this girl who um, she's in class and she's working on her parents food truck because they need to make money. Um, but obviously COVID-19 and food trucks don't really mix. So like, you know, she, her family was really struggling and it was just painfully obvious when she was in class and you know, like she's not able to keep up with things and her assignments are falling behind. And I think that that, that right now is like, I think part of what's makes this like a super big trauma, you know? Yeah. So. Agreed. I, I have students who don't have access to Wi-Fi, you know, that's reliable. I have students who don't have computers at home. I it's, it, it's everywhere. And like, you know, I, I'm never going to ask somebody about their situation and I always have, an open line of communication. I'm always like, please let me know if you're struggling. Please let me know if you have problems. And like people, you know, they're not going to come to you all the time for that. Um, but that's been really, really hard realizing that, you know, on campus, everybody has access to the labs and, and, you know, all these resources and then everybody's home and it's all been taken away. And it's, it's, it's sad and it's kind of scary. Caitlin, do you want to talk a little bit about your transition um, to, remote work and you know interacting with students and how is that going I and mean, that's that you've kind of alluded to it already like at the beginning you know before spring break it was really stressful and I can only imagine it's still stressful absolutely so um, we're just kind of taking everything one day at a time 
what's great is Merrimack did provide everyone with iPads, so we've been utilizing that, um, and it's really great to see that. I know other institutions are struggling to provide their students with technology, um, so we were kind of ahead of the curve with that. It's also really helpful when I am starting a student meetings, getting them to know, like, this is how you download the app and get it started, um, and then from there, I can kind of show you how to do things, so it was a lot of teaching students the bare basics again, but another thing is, um, a huge part of my job is we work on teaching our students how to self-advocate. So in the transition from high school to college, these kids are now adult students and they are the drivers of their own education. So we can no longer speak to mom and dad about what's going on. Um, and at times this is hard for the students um, when they transition and are learning how to handle their own accommodations because they were never given a voice at the table before to, to kind of decide what works best for them. And now it's all that they have. They have to rely on their own. So a lot of it is coaching um, through the sessions and getting them to know like this is what you need and this is how you advocate for it. Um, what was really sad for me was kind of starting over again after spring break. So I had built a relationship. All of my students have been meeting with me since August. Um, and to go from August conversations um, to January conversations were amazing to see the growth of my students, kind of see all that they have overcome um, and just how confident they were. And then right after spring break, they reverted back to how they were the very first time we ever met. So a lot of them were either freaking out again, having like anxiety attacks in the middle of our meetings or stressed out of their mind. Others, they just kind of clammed up. I had some students who didn't feel comfortable sharing their videos, um, who I've also had students like their parents, you could tell were listening. Um, so they didn't feel comfortable sharing things. And that was really tough for me because these students had come to be such a big part of our lives. So we're invested in them. We know what's going on. And so to be able to, you know, see face-to-face, -face, sit face-to-face -face with the student and want to talk about things that they had kind of shared with you, but then you don't know, like, who is around? Like, is this a safe environment for us to chat? Um, are you telling me the full story? And Technology is great, but also I could feel like the students like retreating. Like I always wanted to follow up with more, but I didn't know, is this the right place, right time? So that was tough for me. And then additionally with the testing center, we had to reinvent it. So we are completely remote. We had to figure out what do professors need? What do students need? What is this gonna look like? Um, do they know what they want? Like, what are we going to do? And then also how do we maintain continuity? How do we redo the process? So now like we are pre uh, prepping for finals and everything and we are shocked we only have 40 finals requests at the moment compared to us start, like proctoring over like 500 um, the semester before if, if I'm even remembering correctly. So um, like students now are gonna have to be retrained when we get back to campus on what the procedures are. So we had made strides in moving our testing center policy from three days notice to a week notice. All of our students were buying by the week notice. It was great. And now we're going to go back to square one and have to remind them, you have a test a week from now. You have to enter the testing center request or else we can't guarantee your accommodations. And then I'm still going to have kids walking in my office the day before being like, I have a test tomorrow. Can you help me? So it's like frustrating in a way because these students have come so far and they deserve to be celebrated um, and it's just so disruptive to see and I know like it's tough because I'm experiencing that at the same time as them so it's hard to be frustrated with them when 
like you understand. And so I think that's been a huge thing too in our conversations. Like I have students breaking down to me and they're like, my professor just doesn't get it. And then I reach out to the professor and the professor goes, well, if I had known that, and it's like, well, how are we supposed to be having the conversation right now if we don't know what to ask, when to ask, and if it's even safe to ask? Because this is such sensitive information. So I really feel for the students right now, but I also feel for the faculty. Um, I must say I have been so impressed um, because they do engage in regular conversation and I wish students knew. Um, sometimes they're the be best place to go um, rather than working with like a third party such as our office. But because of the times I feel like it is hard and a lot of people are suffering. And so like Kylie goes back to, like just reminding ourselves that this is a trauma and I'm constantly impressed by how people are taking into consideration what this semester is gonna mean for years to come. So when it comes to, I know a huge conversation with the faculty lately has been transcripts. So what are we coding this semester as? And they've decided to put like, you know, no credit COVID-19, um, incomplete, like all of that stuff. So that's great. And I really hope that that does pay off, especially for people graduating during this turbulent time, whether you're a senior or finishing your master's program, like this is gonna come to affect us for a while. Um, and it's interesting to see that this is now like the second time in our lives, our oh, like years are gonna be put in a history book and people are gonna ask us about this. It's, it is wild. I had this conversation on the other podcast that I was on. Um, so I'm a millennial. I'm 33. I was a freshman in high school when 9-11 happened. I was graduating from college when the, the housing market crashed and, um, and now this. And it's like, I, I feel that in my soul, just like all of those events that have kind of colored a lot of things. And, and it'll be interesting to see how we come out the other side. I have so many things I want to say to you, Caitlin, because like, I feel just, I. We can always set up another time too. Oh. I'm always down to chat for it. <laughs> but like, I, I actually had a student today who, who emailed me just with a question about editing. She was having some trouble video editing. And I responded and she's like, semester's almost over. You've got this. Like I have students who are encouraging me just like I'm encouraging them. And I think I think in the last like two weeks, I think most of my emails have started. I'm sorry. I'm really far behind with grading or I haven't gotten to that yet. I'm really struggling this week with my mental health. And I think being open with students about that has been really great. I mean, I'm like that anyway, as a teacher, I try to be really accommodating and really flexible and really like have those conversations. And I think admitting that you're also struggling helps. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping that other faculty and other staff are doing the same thing. Um, I want to transition over into the, the future, the unknowns. So you guys are all graduating and it's really weird. Um, what does that feel like to be graduating right now? And, and what, what does it feel like going out into the world with, you know, your master's in higher ed and, and wanting to continue to work with students and when like the very nature of higher ed is changing and it's been changing for a while as we've learned in our classes, but like, this is, this is so different. This is beyond, you know, this, the student debt crisis and, and, you know, higher ed as a public good and all of that stuff. Like this is like going to fundamentally change how college is like, 
are we going to do remote learning forever? Like, is that now an option? It, like, it's just, there are so many unknowns. So I guess what, how do you guys feel about the future? Like what, what are you hoping is going to happen? Like, it's just so hard. I don't even know where to start. It's a very loaded question. <laughs> the uncertainty for me is kind of the most stressful part. Um, at this point in my life, like I've always had like a next step lined up. I've always known what I'm going to do and it's been like easier to transition. And I think right now, um, things are starting to look bleak. Um, so every couple of days now I get an email saying that there's been another hiring freeze. Um, so the job process is gonna, you know, take a little bit. We're not really sure what's going on. Um, and I'm really fortunate. Uh, one of my jobs has been moving forward and they offered me an on-campus interview, but the on-campus interview involves travel and they don't know when it'll be safe to travel. And they don't want to move forward in hiring me because they want me to experience the campus and the area to make sure it's something I'm willing to commit to, which is great. And I appreciate that. Um, but it's kind of hard when you're, you feel like you're almost there. There's just that one last step to go. And then they're like, okay, we're just going to wait this out. So now it's like, how long do I wait? What does that look like? Is this the only job I have going for me? Like now I'm wondering if I do get this job, is it going to be the right job for me? Or am I taking it because it's the only job available at the moment? Um, so there's a lot going through my mind with that. And today I actually had a conversation with my advisor, Elaine, um, who has been checking in regularly and I appreciate her so much just because I feel like throughout this whole time, she's one of the few people who have sat down, looked me in the eyes and said, let's check in. Tell me how you're feeling. How are you? And like actually dedicated like time to just sit and hear. Um, so I've cried to her like millions of times at this point. Um, so she regularly sends me pictures of her dog um, or updates me on her children just to make me laugh. Um, but she actually sat down and I had so many questions and I'm like, I just need someone to hear them out. And every question she said was, I wish I could help you. I wish I could tell you what this is going to look like. But she goes, even as professionals, we have no idea. We don't know how to support you or guide you through this, but we're going to be with you every step of the way. And at times that is like all I need to hear. And other times it's like, I wish I could just bang my head against a wall. Um, because it's like, we have waited our whole lives to like be at this point to start a job move forward like the future this is what we've always dreamed about and now it's like you have to hit pause and so like part of me is so scared to finish fellowship on friday and finish classes next week because it's like then what and i feel so bad saying that because i have so many friends who have been experiencing that you know whether they've been laid off from jobs or they've been waiting at home for the next steps everyone's hitting the pause button and i really feel for them um but it's also like we don't know what this is gonna look like for higher ed. So like, is the job that I signed up to do, like as part of this, even going to be around? Um, because the things I'm looking into is to help students, is that deemed essential or not? What does that look like for some campuses? Is there going to be funding? So a lot more questions and answers right now, um, which has been tough for me because I like to know. As Kylie knows, I rant about this all the time. I have to be in the know, in control, but I guess that's why I'm in higher ed. <laughs> I feel that. It's so hard to, like, you're talking about, is your position going to be essential or not? And, like, when we start talking about student support being non-essential, like, that is a fundamental change in in education because students are literally 
the most important part of the equation. Um, I, and I don't know how other institutions are handling this, but um, uh, President Hopi had a town hall last week for faculty and staff and like, he made it very clear that students were the focus, like money was being, you know, moved around to help students and like students are the focus and students are what make Merrimack, Merrimack. And I love that message. And I really, really hope that other schools are, you know, taking that into account that without students and without support for those students, you don't really have an institution anymore. So hopefully, hopefully uh, student support can be deemed essential because it really, really, really is for sure. Amanda, what about you? What are your thoughts on the future and graduating and where do you, where do we even go from here? Yeah, right. That's, that's the big question that I ask myself every morning when I wake up. Um, you know, I think going along with Caitlin's, you know, the uncertainty of whether or not, you know, your job is essential. I think especially you know, a lot of colleges around the country are saying that they plan to open for the fall, but I think with the way that things are continuing to roll with this whole, you know, pandemic, I I honestly am not quite sure how that actually will work out. Um, I can see it being a very real possibility of, like, schools remaining closed for student body until the winter, you know? Um, and as someone who is a res life professional and who wants to continue working in res life, that's terrifying. Um, you know, especially with the fact, and you know, I bet a lot of undergrad students are feeling this now too, is I need a job. Um, and especially, you know, with the given situation of me feeling passionate about res life and wanting to continue on that, is that a real scenario for me to be in, especially, you know, come six months when I have to start paying off all of my wonderful student loans? Um, how you know, how is that, how is that going to work out? Um, and I think, you know, like Caitlin said, a lot of schools are continuing to email saying that they're doing a hiring freeze, they're holding off. Um, that, that's also, you know, it's comforting in a sense, you know, because it's like, at least you know that it's not you. Because <laughs> I think that higher ed is known to like ghost people if they send in applications and just not say anything. Um, but also, you know, it kind of, it's starting to make me a little bit twitchy because I feel like this is the time for res life. And that's what we've been told all year is that now is the time. And we're not seeing that. So like, you know, um, I've only had interviews with two places and I've applied to about 16. Um, I haven't heard a yes or no from anywhere at this point. Um, Kylie and I are still waiting to hear back from RISD, which is exciting and also really terrifying. But in the same vein of what Caitlin says, is like, I'm probably going to accept the first job that offers me something because I don't know. <laughs> like, this is not a time where you can afford to be picky. Like, I can't be like, well, that school's my dream school, but they have a hiring freeze for the foreseeable future. So it's like, do you put, do you put your faith in that? Probably not. That, that just doesn't make sense. Um, and I think for like the future of higher ed too, um, I feel like we talked about this a lot in like a lot of our classes, especially like the history of higher ed um, and then like student development um, theory. I feel like, or maybe it wasn't student development theory. Anyway, but like online classes in general, <laughs> I feel like we've talked about how ineffective they are, um, especially if they're not done well and if people aren't specifically trained on how to teach online. 
And like, I feel like that a lot of faculty members have been forced into a position that they have not been prepared to take on. Um, and if this continues going into, yeah, right. So like, you, you know, <laughs> you know, and it's like going into the fall. It's like, if this is a continuing trend, like, you know, how, um, SNU has announced that they're letting students move on to campus, but all of their courses are going to be online for the fall. So, you know, are you, is, does the school have the money to provide training for faculty members to completely move their classes online? And then also like, what kind of orientations are you offering for students to take online classes? Because that's a feat amongst itself. A lot of students, I mean, especially from like Caitlin's position and working with accessibility services, like a lot of students have a hard time focusing in class. So it's like, if you're in a synchronous class online like this, like I can't even focus 90% of the time. I'm, I'm spaced out, I'm playing Animal Crossing, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't want to be here. Um, you know, like I, I'm one of those people that like needs to be in the classroom. Um, and like, I took a couple of, um, online classes in my undergrad. And I think that those courses, especially cause I had, I had to take one, um, when I'm a Spanish minor or I was a Spanish minor and I had to take one Spanish class online because it's just wasn't offered because they didn't have enough faculty for it. Um, and I didn't learn anything in that class, you know? And I, after that I had to slow down, like, I wanted to do a lot more, but because, you know, especially when language is such an, like an essential part <laughs> to like actually speaking it is so essential. Like if you do it online, like you really miss out. And I think that that kind of held me back, especially when I advanced into the next class. And I worry about that being a problem for students going forward too, is it's like, how much of this information are you actually retaining? And it's like, you know, like, I hate to be, say like, are you qualified to move on if you're taking an online course? But like, it is, it's like how much of that knowledge have you managed to like retain so that you can move on to the more advanced topics? Um, and I think that's also like super stressful for students, especially at Merrimack in nursing and, you know, like civil engineering and all of those like other things that you need to be able to access like a bunch of different programs and labs and like all of these like essential utilities that you don't have in your house. <laughs> um, and it's like, how is that going to work out? And that I think that's really scary to consider, um, especially for like a lot of smaller schools who are seeing like their enrollment numbers drop really quickly, probably because students aren't stupid. They realize that maybe I shouldn't go to college immediately after high school, you know, because am I getting the same education? I'm paying for the same education, but am I getting the same education, you know? Um, so I think all of that kind of just makes all of it terrifying and very uncertain and unclear and you know I think that like Caitlin said we're living through history and we're gonna have to just see where it goes but you know as new professionals I think that this is definitely not great <laughs> so one of the classes I'm scheduled to teach in the fall is television production which 100% requires the tv studio no <laughs> I'm all of my classes that I teach are video and audio production. So again, that require equipment and hands-on time and the labs. And so like, that's a really, really, really difficult transition. And I find myself wondering like, is my job essential? You know, is that like, and if it is like, how do I teach these classes when I, not all students have access to the same stuff. So it, it's, it's so scary. Kylie, tell us about your, your future, your plans, your hopes, your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love my future. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to know? <laughs> um, yeah, I think like I totally echo everything Caitlin and Amanda said. Um, 
it's a weird time to be searching for a job. It's always really competitive in higher ed, um, especially now and especially when schools are not quite certain what's going to happen. Um, like Amanda said, I want to work in residence life. Like I, I love residential life. And um, fortunately, if there are students living on campus, working in residence life is an essential position, right? Like you have students living on your campus, you absolutely need to have staff members there. So that's a plus. Um, the, the like negative side of that is I can see a world in which potentially institutions in the fall open up but are not residential quite yet, right? Or very sparsely residential and they don't need a full residential life staff. Um, and that might be a really great decision health-wise, right? Like a really good decision for our community um, and a very bad decision for somebody looking to, <laughs> to work in that field. So um, it's hard because like you can't really predict what the future of this, of this virus is gonna be um, or what it's, yeah, what it's gonna look like. But as of now, like still applying, um, I think like I have started thinking about, um, like I said, I, I love residence life and I really like want to be there in the next few years. But I've had to start thinking about if it if it's not going to be residence life for me, what other things am I passionate about, right? Like what other areas of higher education do I feel like I would be really good at? And so like I applied for a job doing um, like communications and marketing things at an institution because I love that. And like I have like a background doing social media in a position. And so I was like, yeah, I, I think I could be passionate about that. And I think I would really like that. So um, I think like for me, and I think for a lot of people in, in right now in our cohort, we're trying to think like, what else might I see myself doing? Um, which is exciting because like, you know, like you, you might find yourself doing something you love that you would have never done otherwise. But it's also sad because it's like this dream that I had for what my future was going to be for where I was going to be and who I was going to be and how I was going to be is no longer possible um and I think like a lot of students feel that which this is really hard and I would never say that anything about this is great but I think like that will make us really strong as we go into a field and eventually get a job is like being able to relate with the students who are in similar situations right um who are graduating their high schools and not getting a graduation just like our students are graduating college and not getting that ceremony um I think like we're going to be able to really relate and say like I 100% understand. Um, so I, I think that is a little bit of a benefit, which hopefully will um, help down the road. But yeah, you guys are killing it with segues. It's like making my job really easy. Um, I want to end with talking about positives. Um, I'd love to ask you all if there's something positive that has come out of this whole experience, like I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but today is the 50th day that I've been <laughs> working from home um, and home. And I think one of the positives for me has been, I get to kind of focus on um, my physical health. I'm not eating very well, but I've been taking more walks and doing more workouts and getting outside and doing that type of stuff. And it's been really nice to be home and in a place that's safe um, that I feel like at noontime, I can just take a break from my laptop and go walk down to the lake and come back. And that's been really nice and a really positive. And it makes me know that when we return to whatever sort of, you know, normal or new normal, like that's something I have to work into my day. Like midday, I need to get up, take a walk, go do something and not just sit at my desk all day. So I'm curious if there's been other positives 
for you guys coming out of this at all? <laughs> I know it's hard. I used to draw a lot in high school and I was like, I, I've been able to draw for like the first time in like five years. Um, I wanted to do illustration when I was younger and obviously like I went to college and I was like, yeah, probably not. But um, <laughs> um, I do really enjoy being able to be creative. Um, and one of the hobbies that I picked up in college is not something that is uh, not expensive. <laughs> so uh, it's pottery, which is just, that's just not realistic. Um, but being able to have the time to myself and being able to draw and just like not have to like worry about like, is someone like gonna die? Do I need to be like on my toes? I'm like, <laughs> you know, like when you're on campus, I feel like and you're taking care of students, you're constantly like, oh my God, what's gonna happen? <laughs> being able to, I think, relax. Um, and then also like, you know, as much as it's been a time where I feel like we aren't seeing our friends, I feel like I am connecting a lot more with people that I normally wouldn't keep up with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think kind of like checking in on everyone. I think kind of having that support base has been very reassuring and then also really rewarding to know that, you know, when things do slow down, you like, there is time to check in on people. Um, especially when you know that everyone's going through the same thing that you are and like being able to kind of just be able to give and then also to get that support from people is pretty great. So yeah. Technology is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I think going off that, like I also feel based on like what Tiffany and Amanda has said, um, I've been very self-aware and I hate what I'm about to say, but I've also become so reflective I know that's like one of those words that makes us all cringe. It's drilled in our head as higher education professors, like professionals, like always take the time to reflect, reflect. But I've actually taken a lot of time to like think through, kind of reevaluate where I'm at, what I want to do. Um, and also just thinking about like the interactions I've had with students, um, other colleagues on campus and just how that's going to come to affect me later on. And so like with that, like I now recognize like what boundaries I have to set sooner, um, how to create healthy habits. So like Tiffany was saying, like making sure I leave my computer, like don't look at technology. Like I've been taking time to read um, a book rather than like on my iPad or on my computer, like reading for fun was something I haven't done in years. And so it's so nice to get back to that, um, taking walks, like going outside, exploring all of that. Um, but another thing is we have become so imaginative and creative. We have found so many new ways to do things and I can't wait to see how that comes to affect so much more. So I know in the work that I've been doing, like just seeing how my students get creative and figure out what works best for them. Um, I've had to do the same thing. So like Kylie was saying, like my productivity has been so down, like I'm just not motivated. I get through the day and at the end of the day, like I literally want to close my eyes and not look at anything, like don't want light or anything. Um, and so for me, like taking the time to figure out like, how can we make more fun and excitement out of this time? So taking the time to reflect and get back to basics for me has been the way I've been doing it. Um, but I think it's good practice. Um, it's a good reminder to kind of slow down and enjoy the moment as you're in it. And I feel like this situation is unfortunate, but it's also a blessing in disguise for many. I 100% agree. I'm like looking outside the window right now and the sun has come out and I'm like, I, after this, I'm definitely going on a walk. <laughs> Kylie, you want to talk about some positives? Wrap yes. up here. Absolutely. I would love to. 
Also, I'll note, you won't be able to know this if you can't see, but I've been moving around a lot. I have a dog that is, like, trying so hard to get into this room, and, like, I keep, like, being, like, oh my gosh, you need to stop. So, if you hear, like, scratching and whining, that is why, and that ties into my positive. <laughs> I'm so sorry if you can hear this in the background. Um, that ties into my positive, which I think uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but, like, the vulnerability and the honesty, I think, that we're seeing um, is, like, helpful for me, but I think, like, helpful for the world. Um, I think, like, there have been a lot of people who have, can you, I don't know if you can hear this, it's so annoying. Okay. Um, Our new normal with pets being at home, pets and children. I, I know, but, like, yeah, so, like, just, like, people being able to say, like, yeah, like, I'm working from home, there are pets trying to get into this room, like, I don't have children, but, like, people who are, like, I have kids, like, we've had staff meetings where, like, our director has had to be, like, I'm so sorry, and, like, had to go away for, like, five minutes to, like, take care of his daughter and, like, give her something to do, so both, like, that, um, and I think, like, us all being able to, like, this is really hard, like, I'm really struggling, I'm not productive, I'm not, like, who I thought I would be, I'm, I'm having a hard time, like, being positive, I think, um, is really hard, um, but it's really powerful. It's like forcing people to be vulnerable and op open and honest, which is like making things better for all of us, right? Because when we all say like our lives are perfect and they're not, then we're like, oh my God, your life is perfect and your life is perfect and mine is not. Versus when everybody's like, I'm struggling, you're able to say like, oh my God, thank God, me too. Um, and I, I, I'm really like a firm believer in us being honest about how life is. And so I appreciate that so many people have been honest about how terrible this is and how hard it is, because I think it makes us all come together and say, me too. I'm not alone in this. Um, and not only am I not alone in this, but like if we're all in this together, then we can all get through it together. Um, I think that's going to be really powerful and really important. Um, and I, I don't know, I just, I think it like fuels connection as well. Um, and in a world when we can't hang out, like I can't go to Perfectos with Amanda um, and I can't like be in a classroom with all of you, um, at least I can know that like we're in the same place emotionally and like we're going to be able to get through it together. Oh, I love it. Oh my goodness. This has been such a great conversation and it's been like an hour, which I kind of figured. Um, this has been really great. Like it's been really, really interesting to hear about your experiences from like all across the board. Um, and I really, really love that this is going to be like in the history books, like our podcast, our words, like for posterity forever. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think that's really cool. But thank you all for, for joining me on my little podcast, not my podcast, but um, you know, this podcast and, and talking about your experiences and opening up. Um, it's been really great. <laughs> Thank you for having us and for having this conversation. Yes, 1000%. I echo that. Thank you. And you've been an excellent moderator. <laughs> I know you say you are not a good moderator, but I think that went very well. You um, will have to put this in our Facebook group so that the rest of the cohort can listen to us talk to each other. <laughs> Absolutely. Living Out Loud Storytelling for Social Change is a podcast that is a joint venture between women and gender studies and communication and media. I am Tiffany Beacon Stearns, your fearless host today. And thanks for listening. And thanks you guys for joining me. Got an idea for an episode or want to join our team? Email us at livingoutloud at merrimack.edu.
Executive producers are Deborah Michaels and Tiffany Begenstern. Audio engineering and editing by Michael Senoff. Living Out Loud is made possible with the generous support of a Provost Innovation Grant and assistance from the Center for Excellence in Teaching.